Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. Best podcast for the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron Roger and Doug join Andrews. We discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So wrestling got me too. Uh Aaron, who was a part of this? Yeah, so there were a, a lot of different people that were a part of it, but you know, some of the things that did happen, some of the bigger names that did get released. We had Jack Gallagher, uh Liguero, and Travis Banks. They were all released by WWE. And then there were some other names that had been impl- like allegations were made towards them. Uh, one of them in particular, it sounds like it probably not much is going to come from it. And that's Matt Riddle. But there were some other ones that did come up that, uh, you know, for WWE and then uh, for the NDC and actually even AEW. Uh, there was um, uh, Sammy Guevara, of course. Uh, he had some stuff that came out. And so they suspended him. Velveteen Dream had some issues that came up as well. And then uh, some of the more independent or uh, Japanese, we had Joey Ryan, David Starr, and then Osprey. Will Ospreay um, had some allegations made. Uh, and so unfortunately, we're, you know, there are some people we've seen the last of their work. And uh, there's others that, uh, you know, it's going to be probably a little while before they come back from this. Um, it's it's really sad to see. Uh, and unfortunately, it seemed like a lot of them were the British stars uh, that this was happening to. Um, you know, I'm really sad about Osprey. Uh, I don't think he was involved in any allegations of actually doing anything, but he was blackballing, I believe, the one of the females that was a victim. Mm-hmm. So, you know, never a good thing to do anyway. Um, I guess it got so bad for Osprey, he even considered killing himself uh, for a little bit. So, uh, obviously, he's taking it very seriously too, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know wrestling gets their act cleaned up and uh, can move on and be, you know, bring out the equality and for all genders and, and everything. Um, I'm going to clarify one thing Aaron said, Sammy Guevara wasn't accused of anything like the others. He just had some unbelievably inappropriate comments and was suspended because of it, which is a very important thing to note. Um, well, last time we talked about this, we talked about the very tragic death of uh, Hana Kumara, I think her name was. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about just as a whole, you know, wrestling fans need to be better. And then like two weeks later, we found out that wrestlers and the industry itself probably just needs to be better. This is really scummy, really disgusting. And there's a whole lot of adjectives I can use to describe it. Unfortunately, the one I can't use is surprising because I'm not that surprised. It is an industry very similar to this entertainment industry in which there are a lot of people who are powerless and a lot of people can't do anything about it. You're dependent on these people for your careers. There's a lot of scummy people who took advantage of it. Hopefully there's better regulation. Hopefully you get those people out. People like Joey Ryan, who obviously did some awful things, David Starr, Devlin, all those guys. I look, I'm sure they were talented, but it's not worth it. Like I'm happy to see them gone and anybody else who gets caught up in this needs to go too. Just think if this was back in the old ECW days, just all the horror stories, especially if they had cell phones, it would be really, really bad. Uh, so uh, think about how bad the eighties probably were. Yeah. I mean, 80s. it's probably you way think Hogan warrior and Savage were uh, keeping it clean. That is true. Like, I love Sean, but I don't want to know anything about Sean from 88 <laughs> to 99. Like just <laughs> never tell me stories about that. 
All right, so uh, Paul Heyman, he's done with Raw. Roger, do you think this was surprising that uh, it took this long to get him uh, axed? I mean, we see this cycle about, what, once every five, six years? Paul Heyman comes in, him and Vince McMahon get along for like a month. Vince gets tired of him, gets sick of all his ideas. They butt heads. He kicks him out. Vince wash repeat. I mean, look, it is what it is. Vince wants a bunch of yes men. Heyman's not really that kind of guy. Heyman's vision of wrestling is very different than Vince's vision of wrestling. I mean, I'm not going to watch Raw either way, so whatever. But I definitely think that Heyman's idea of pushing a bunch of new talent like Aleister Black, like Ricochet, like Andrade is the right way to go since you need to build stars. But we also know that Vince would much rather rely on his already proven guys and then desperately super push someone than, you know, build guys over time. So they were never really going to work as a, a, a fit long term. Yeah, here's here's a great great question for you, Roger. Do you think that it's a better investment to always bring the older people back for one-offs constantly or put more money into a superstar that's uh, potentially could be the next big thing? I think the answer is both. Truth be told, there's nothing wrong with bringing the guys back for a one-off. The problem is, is that when you bring the guys back like Goldberg and they're going over your young stars like Kevin Owens and Bray Wyatt, that's a mistake. If you want to bring back an older star like, let's say, Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania X8, he didn't beat The Rock because that would have been stupid. But he put over The Rock, and Rock becomes a bigger star because of it. So if Goldberg comes back and loses to a young star, great. If Goldberg comes back to squash a young star, that young star doesn't look any better. That was stupid. So it's all about how you use them. Older guys at this point should be losing to younger talent, not the other way around. And Doug, what do, what do you think about the whole Paul Heyman situation? It's it's uh I I love Paul Heyman. Uh, I think he has a lot of good ideas and a lot of uh, promos and and can help out a lot of the young talent. So I am a little bit sad to see him go because he was trying to push young talent. Um, my biggest question is, <laughs> did AJ Styles get Paul Heyman fired? Uh, that wouldn't be surprising. Yes. But I, after I, hearing, I was gonna say after hearing what the club uh, and I only got to hear snippets of their podcast. I haven't listened to it all yet, uh, but I can't wait to hear it all. Um, but just hearing the thin bits of everything that was going on, and it kind of started making sense a little bit of how they were using the club and how they, you know, would come out strong at one event, but then also come out super weak at another one. Um, there was some really bad booking for them, and apparently it was all because of Paul Heyman and his uh, sliminess, which I completely conceive because <laughs> I've watched all those ECW uh, things and and how he would. Literally be Paul E. Uh, Paul E. Sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, I actually kind of agree with you a little bit there, Doug. I think that AJ Styles might have been uh, not the reason, but like, you know, uh, one of the reasons. You mm -hmm. know, I think that as to Roger's point, Vince gets sick of him, you know, lets him go. And then, you know, hey, guys, six months from now, we're going to see him back. So, you know, don't worry about it. He's just taking an extended break. I think that Vince, this is an area where, Vince could potentially yield some of his power back to Paul and just say like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to give you six months. I want to see what you can do and see if you can make new stars and see if you can, you know, uh, turn the needle in the right direction. Because as we're going to talk about, you know, in a little bit, it's been going downhill and, you know, some of it's due to COVID, but some of it's been going on for a really long time now and chickens are coming home to roost. So it's unfortunate to see Paul Heyman gone. He's not going to be gone for long. You know, you bring up a good point, uh, Aaron, uh, people basically trying to, uh, you know, bring the younger ones uh, and showcase them more. Realistically, they haven't done it with Ricochet, which I thought was, uh, 
I mean, that was just like an app, you know, it was easy layup. I thought, I thought that was the, mm. the safest thing. I'm like, all right, he'll be okay. Just as long as he doesn't go to raw. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the, the tough part, uh, right now, uh, is that, yeah, let's uh, do something with Andre and uh, Andre, because realistically, uh, the last thing that he did that was good was with, uh, Gargano, I would argue. And he did have a little thing with Ray, which was good, but he hasn't done much. And I thought he was getting interesting again. And now it's like, eh, we're not going to do anything with him. So that's a uh, very unfortunate, just like uh, the pay-per-view from Sunday. <sighs> I guess it was a pay-per-view. Uh, we, I don't want to tell you what we really think about it. But hey, uh, speaking of Ray, he did lose a eye. Aaron, you want to talk about it? Did he or did he use a, a gobstopper or something like that? I think, he, I think what it was, it was actually a fake uh, eye. You think it was fake? I, you know, I'm not <laughs> just sure, like the Andy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I just, I'm gonna try not to rant, but I really <laughs> had an issue, even the lead up to this, when they're they're like, this is gonna be an eye for an eye, and it's like, okay, fine, it's gonna be a grudge match. It's like, no, literally, the only way you can win is if you pluck the eye from the per- person's skull. And I was thinking, this is probably gonna end in like a no disqualification or something, or like a double disqualification or a double count out or something stupid like that. Knowing WWE. It's gonna be and they actually went for it. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I'd be probably more okay with that than like having like, hey, we're having an eye extracted from his skull. I understand that this is all scripted; it's all predetermined. It's still stupid. Like this is gonna be talked about in the same breath as the WCW um, Bay Harrell or like uh, Hay Barrel um, uh, match that they had. Like it's stupid. Like what, what was the point in that? Like you, you did that for what reason or the, where they had the dungeon of doom thing that they did where they electrocuted Abdullah, the butcher, you know, like what, whatever dumb thing that it's like, what is the point? What are you trying to accomplish here? You know, you're extracting an eye. Like, is that supposed to make Seth Rollins look even more vicious? Is that what you're going for? Like this just did not make any sense in the booking. I don't know which writer wrote this. They should be fired. They should be fired. They should fire Vince McMahon for allowing this to take place. And whomever did not say, hey, we should not take this to Vince. Because somebody did. And he was like, that's good stuff, pal. And then just ran with it. Like, like what? They didn't even do this stuff in the 90s. Like when they had Doink and they had the Garbage Man and they had the Repo Man and everybody else. They didn't do this type of stuff. And they're doing it now. Like, I do not understand this. And I, I don't even want to see what's going to happen next week or the week after. You made me change the channel. You made me turn off the TV. This was not only unnecessary, this was detrimental, and it hurt the brand, and it hurt everybody involved in it. But does it really hurt the ratings? Uh, quite a bit, as we're going to talk about. <laughs> All right. Doug, uh, so what would you think about the uh, Mysterio match and Rollins match? It's it, it, just like Aaron said, it, there was no point to it. And... I think what even affects it even more is just the results of the other matches in this pay-per-view and the other dumb decisions that were made in this pay-per-view, I think just pile onto it to a point where I honestly want to know from everybody, was this the stupidest call of the night or not? And and that's kind of sad because you should be able to just look at this and go, yes, this is the stupidest call of the night. But you really can't when you look at the rest of the card. I wouldn't even say this was a top three worst call of the night. (laughs) That's how bad (laughs) this show was. This was horrible. I mean, 
at least for this match, I knew going into it, this wasn't going to end well. I, I guess that has going for it, but this is, I, they really need to, like, I don't know what, what they do in WW quote unquote creative, but they need to get some new people in there or they need to get somebody who is, I think they just keep looking for experts in television. Like uh, maybe need to find some experts in wrestling. That that would be amazing if they actually did. Because you know, I, I have. Go ahead, Andy. I was gonna say because you know that there's there have been people there, and then Vince has dro- drove them nuts to the point where they're like, I can't work like this. See ya. And I bet that actually happens quite often, uh, more than what we even know about. Um, actually, Andy, and um, follow up on your point, there was a writer uh, from back in the day. I want to say early two thousands who used to do storyboarding. For those of you not familiar with the concept, he would literally plan out the entire story, have slides, an entire concept start to finish. And Vince and company bullied him out of the company. They thought it was stupid and ridiculous and the concept was absurd, which tells you everything you need to know about their creative process and the way that they approach writing. And they looked at somebody who doing, is doing storyboarding, which is what any good showrunner does on any successful show. You have arcs that are planned from start to finish. That is WWE in a nutshell. Is this the worst pay-per-view from WWE that you can remember? That is a question I have from the three of you. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Worse than December to December, like 2006. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, well, here's the worst part of all with this, is I had low expectations and they didn't meet it. <laughs> <laughs> For stopping ground? I had very low expectations. Stopping ground 2019. I had low expectations. And then they met them. You know, like, I was expecting a D. I got a D. You know, like, great. Uh, you know, it, there was kind of that cool spot with uh, um, Corbin, Becky Lynch, and Seth Rollins. That was awesome, you know. I, I can't even think, like, the tag match was the only thing. That was the highlight. I, I guess uh, Sasha versus uh, Asuka for the start of it was fine. And then it had a crappy ending. You had whatever the Bray Wyatt thing was. I, like, there just was top to bottom. It was not good. It, th- this is, like, the worst in recent memory. Not the worst of all time. I'm sure there's way more that people could point to. But this was just so bad. So, so bad. I don't know if it's the worst, admittedly. Um, but I will say this. I've never read results of a show and not understood what happened. Like... <laughs> legitimately and doug can confirm this with me at least three times i said wait what happened like i don't know what this meant and that's not a good thing if i'm supposed to be following the product like if i can't tell you like we before we all came on the air we literally had to look up multiple sources to try and figure out the results to a batch that we watched and we still don't and we still don't necessarily conclusively know that's not good. That's that is the opposite of good storytelling. That is horrible storytelling. Uh, is this why you fired Paul Heyman so you could do this garbage? Because this this is not good. This is trash. Like this this is the kind of show that like I would not go to Tacoma to watch Stomping Grounds. This show was so bad I would drive somewhere else so I didn't have to watch it. But <laughs> <laughs> this actively makes me want to leave my home because it is so bad. This. Let me tell you what I think of this show. This show was the gender mahal of pay-per-view. <laughs> it's so bad that you should feel bad for having put it on, and you should legitimately come out and apologize. Like, I pay for the network, and I demand a refund. This is horrible. Oh, and there's no excuse with the talent on this roster that it should be this bad. Like, honestly, you cannot... 
the, the, the sad part about this, Seth versus Ray, good match until a stupid finish. If you take away that dumb stipulation and just have like a solid street fight, all right, cool. Sasha versus Asuka. Take away that ridiculously stupid, dusty-ish finish. Good, solid match. No issues. Bray versus Braun. If that didn't involve the champion, I wouldn't really care, to be quite honest. Like, I would be fine with a Firefly Funhouse, silly kind of let's explore Bray's and pass. The Alexa Bliss call out was fantastic. Really mm -hmm. loved her sister, Abigail. Just not something I really want your champion in. That's why Bray versus Cena was really cool, because it was a cinematic match, not involving a championship. But this... MVP versus Apollo Crews? Why did you advertise that match if you knew Apollo wasn't going to be there? Just replace him with someone. It's not that hard. Like it's, you don't have paying fans. Like do something. Do a quick little spot where you showed him being jumped. Like, mm -hmm. I, well, I think that's part of the problem. Is uh, and it's only rumor still that Apollo tested positive for Corona, so they couldn't do anything with him, and that's well, then, why. But they would have known say, that on what Thursday or, or Friday. Yeah. They, they could have made the adjustment for at least right. You know, well, I'm not saying that they couldn't. Yeah. Do MVP versus Ricochet for the new United, interim United States Championship, and when Apollo gets back, unify the titles. They already have a second belt. Like there are many better options than whatever the heck. They, like NXT lost their cruiserweight championship and just did a new cruiserweight title. At mm -hmm. first, it was the interim, and then they found out, oh, maybe we don't want to bring him back. New champion. <laughs> we just don't talk about Devlin anymore. Problem solved. I, I, well, and what you just described there would probably be the most interesting storyline WWE has going on the main roster, which would be Apollo Crews and MVP battling over who's the real champion. Like, oh, that's actually an interesting storyline, you know? And as much as, like, I actually think that Drew McIntyre's run has been really good. And I, I like the mm. fact that, you know, mm. I, I like him. I, you know, I, I, me I don't mind. I don't mind Drew. The, the, I, I only hesitate due to the fact that. Let's look at who he has had to face. Oh, no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, right. uh, but I think that what you had described there with Apollo Crews and MVP, that would be the most interesting storyline. And that is for a secondary title and nothing against Apollo, who is a tremendous athlete. But he is, you know, I mean, he was jobbing, you know, just a couple months ago. And apparently for he was years. one of the people for years. Yeah. And they, they used him very poorly. And he has the most interesting storyline going. Potentially. Yeah. And, and Raw's not in a good spot. Let's even go to your Drew McIntyre point. Exactly what Doug said is correct. I like Drew McIntyre. Look, we banged the table for him when we went to go see him. And I was like, this guy has everything you want in a superstar. It's not that he is the problem. He's actually, I think, done really well despite what he's been given. But he's been given crap. Like, other than Seth Rollins, who had no business being his first opponent, what, Bobby Lashley, I think, was one of his title defenses. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, who literally has one victory in 2020, <laughs> is now potentially getting a second title match. You have Randy Orton on the program. You have Seth Rollins, who probably should have been saved till SummerSlam. You have actual legitimate stars, and you're wasting Drew McIntyre with this. I, I, I think the show may be at the point where it's just irredeemable. Like, truth be told, I don't. We've been arguing that things are going to get better one of these days. What day no. is it going to be? Like, I, I just I've given up on ever expecting Raw to be watchable. And I, I just uh, this show kind of to me, the first thing I thought was, is this Russo booking WCW? Because that had that type of uh, feeling to it where it just was like, you know, you had two people in a match and then the winners, this third person wasn't even in the match. You know, like it had that type of just I, I like it was just garbage. It was it was total garbage. And like, I mean, I don't even know if you guys want to even discuss the Bray match, quote unquote match. But in terms of like the pre-produced stuff, 
Was this the worst one? I mean, bottom two? This is the worst one that the... I would say the Raw SmackDown is done. I mean, because I do think that some of their NXT ones have been worse. There were some there were some highlights to the Bray match that I like I really did like, and Alexa Bliss being one of them. Uh, there was a couple other things. I don't mind even the idea that when Bray popped up at the end and then got sucked back into the Lake of Rejuvenation point two zero or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't mind that it's that it's uh, the fiend that comes out. But have it be really interesting. Have him come out with holding the title or or something along those lines. How do you? Ha- I mean, this isn't a match. This is a a fight with no predetermined. How do you win? Because there's no referee. So even before this fight begins, it's like, well, there's no ref. There's going to be no winner. There's there's nothing. And what do you mean? Where where do we go from here? Is Braun gonna show up or not? And I think this is the effect that they they wanted. I think they wanted the fans to question what was gonna happen so that they would tune in on Friday night SmackDown or Monday Night Raw. But I I'm I'm afraid that too many people are gonna be like, I I don't even want to ask the question anymore because I just don't care. Andy, was this in your bottom two? Definitely. I really have nothing much to say about it. I just I was bored. Um, I learned some new firewall rules, so I uh, made some interesting policies to my network. I don't think anyone here cares about that, and that's fine. But that's what I was doing, and I was having more fun doing that, and that's just dealing with basically numbers. <laughs> that's it. I don't, I don't know that this was actually in my bottom. Like, I think, and I love Cole, but I think Cole Dream was much worse than this. Like, that was way more disappointing. Um, and honestly, I didn't enjoy Money in the Bank. I think I've said that a bunch of times. Like, other than the result, I actually thought that match was pretty stupid. Really, my issue with this was that it shouldn't be involving a champion. Like, this has no business being someone where the Universal Champion is involved. And, like Doug said, why, what, what was gained from this? Like, if Bray, in, even instead of dragging the title out, if Bray drags Braun out and Braun is shown to be under his spell, mission accomplished. I have no problem with that. He dunked him under there. He got what he wanted. The Fiend now has Braun Strowman as his puppet. That's an interesting storyline. He's got exactly what he wanted now, and now he leaves Braun, and Braun's a heel under the Bray Wyatt spell. Cool. No problem with that. I'd even be interested in seeing Braun Strowman on the Firefly Funhouse. That would be kind of funny. But (laughs) actually, that sets up a potential feud with him versus Otis. Like, there are interesting storylines to pivot. But like this, where just Fiend popped out of the horror, like, okay, I guess he won, but like, so? Did he break Braun mentally? Like, at least with Cena, it kind of looked like he broke him down. Like, he broke his whole career. It was a very interesting retrospective. I don't know what this accomplished. And I don't know that I care enough to tune in on Friday to find out. So I'm like, eh. He's not, I don't think it's the worst, but I don't know that I care. And that's not really good when it, you have seven hours of taping to accomplish this. <laughs> to accomplish really nothing. All right, so let's talk about uh, uh, Impact Wrestling's uh, Slammiversary. That actually happened on Saturday. Um, we had a bunch of do- former WWE stars returning. Uh, I got to ask Roger, which one were you the most surprised about? Surprised? I don't know that I was surprised about any of them because I kind of expected most of these people to show up. Motor City Machine Guns was kind of like a cool, like, oh, I remember them. I love them. Um, EC3's tre- teaser trailer was probably my favorite one to come back because... He was so criminally misused in WWE that I'm happy he's back home. Sadly, he won't be using Trouble, he announced on Twitter. He's changing the character, so there will be no Trouble, Trouble, Trouble. Ah, oh, I love that one. Yeah. Um, 
can I just say one thing? Can we take a moment to remember like teenage 2005 when it was really, really good? Mm-hmm. Like second best promotion in North America, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, James Storm, Bobby Roode, Christopher Daniels, Kurt Angle would show up the next year. I mean, they, I remember they had that amazing triple threat. I want to say it unbreakable. It was five stars. I mean, just the X division was on fire. And yeah, Jeff Jarrett sucked. Like he was trash. But the rest of the company is really good. Look, if you ask me to name five people from Slammiverse, I'd be like, I remember them. I remember them. I have no idea who most of those people are. Now, they're talented. I've heard good things about them. But their star power is like zero. I I don't think they have a single draw in that company. The biggest draw they had was their female world champion. And I think she's stuck in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was more... I guess curious on Slammiversary because I don't I didn't really watch Impact uh, a whole lot even even in 2005 when they weren't good. Uh, I have enjoyed replays of it, but um, Motor City Motor City Machine Guns I think was the biggest surprise to come back uh, for me, uh, as everybody else was rather rumored to come back, and it was just a matter of if they were or if they weren't. I was uh, trying to see if uh, Rusev was going to join them in in returning. Uh, but I, I'm kind of interested with the Heath Slater, uh, Heath Miller uh, storyline because I think it's funny that they're still kind of tagging off with WWE where he's a, a, the best free agent out there. So I want to see how far they actually go or, or if they get a contract signing match or something like that. Um, it'll be nice to see EC3 being utilized as a top star that he is instead of a bottom feeder and a chopper that he became in WWE, which is which is really, really sad because he had the build that Vince loves, and just because he couldn't get over Dean Ambrose during a Dean Ambrose, like, just, you know, one of his high points, I guess, everywhere, or at least fan-wise, uh, his high points. But, uh, you know, I'm a little disappointed that Gallows and Anderson went to Impact because I would have rather seen them in uh, AEW, but... It is what it is, and, you know, good luck to them. I think that uh, TNA, I mean, obviously, I know they're Impact Wrestling now. They'll always be TNA, though. Uh, I think that they there is some influx of talent there that actually is good talent. I'm not a big Keith Slater fan. You know, I just he just seems like a total jobber to me. You know, I'm sure he's a great guy, whatever. How Uh, dare you? He has kids. (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, but like, I mean, EC3, I echo everyone's thoughts on that. Gallows and Anderson, who I, you know, I think Anderson, I've said it before. I think Anderson is insanely underrated. And I think that, you know, if he was a single star in particular, I would shoot him straight to the title picture. In my opinion, I think that he is an amazing talker. I think that look wise, he's got a fine look. He's fine in the ring, you know, and you get a good storyline around him. And so like, you know, him and. Gals and Anderson is, is a great pairing. Motor City Machine Guns are so amazing. So I think TNA actually has some good castaways from WWE, and they're not just like Valvinas and, uh, you know, uh, 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 what was the the, um, uh, the black guy? Who's the black guy? Oh, Orlando in, Jordan. In, Orlando Jordan, yes. Thank you. Uh, you I, I just had to say that, and you were like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was going to say in JBL's cabinet. Uh, you know, I, like... They didn't just take the castaways that were just like anybody's, you know. And if Rusev shows up, they're great. Rusev is absolutely a phenomenal talent. 
And with some of the homegrown stars they have right now, as Roger said, we may not know them, but they might actually like break out. You know, they might, we might hear some names that like, oh, now we know who these people are and they're wrestling these guys. And it's an absolutely amazing match. And that's good. I actually think it's really good to have all these different places to go. I hope that Impact and maybe AEW can work together and, you know, have a deal. I know Impact was very okay with people going to other shows to work. I don't know how AEW would feel about it. Obviously, in the COVID area, probably not, you know, not going to be exchanging talent as much. But maybe once this stuff gets over, you know, we might see Gals and Anderson show up in AEW. And I, I hope that they do. It'd be really cool to see them in FTR and and uh, the Young Bucks and everybody else. All right. So, um, but did were you pretty happy uh, with uh, how things went with the uh, Great American Bash over a few weeks? Uh, were you pretty happy with that show? Yeah, Keith Lee, the first ever dual male singles champion. I, you know, the, however WWE is, is uh, saying it, North American and uh, NXT title. I could have seen this go either way. Uh, happy for Keith Lee. It, it is kind of seen, seen like Killer Cross is going to be next. Um, and so I don't know if he's going to be a transitional champion. I'd be really bad for Keith Lee if he was, because I feel like they could push him and he could go far. He could hold the title for a few months and then drop it. But uh, Keith Lee, like kudos to him. He, he worked really hard. And so like he deserved that, you know, he got to a spot where he deserved that. And, uh, you know, good for him. And just think, uh, he was jobbing at uh, NXT uh, Phoenix uh, during the uh, their world, whatever it was. It was to Adam, Adam Cole. I was say, yeah, he lost to Adam, Adam Cole. Cole. That's, that's, that's not job. There's no shame losing Adam Cole. No. <laughs> just kidding. I, yeah, I did find the irony of that though that we watched that, <laughs> and that was at Dallas though, wasn't it? No, that was no. Phoenix. Yeah, that was Phoenix. Oh. Phoenix. Because that was we were, I think we were heading towards the merch, and we yep. heard shock the system, and I did like a full one eighty. Yep. <laughs> That's what I thought. Pirouette it was on cue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Cole, you you turn around and stop what you're doing. We might be a few minutes late getting to the event, but uh, there's a real good reason why. Six foot Adam Cole. Six foot Adam Cole. Yeah, <laughs> he rose to new heights. Yeah, well, six four Roger Cave. I'd like to say. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed the bash. Uh, I thought it was a good two night special. Look, it was transparently obvious what they were doing. They were counter programming. And truthfully, I have no problem with that. I want competitive, good TV shows. I have not been that excited to watch wrestling on Wednesdays ever. Like it is the opposite of Monday and Friday where I'm interested. I look forward to catching up with it. I want to see both shows. I want to see them top one another. You know, competition is healthy. I think it's a really good thing. Both these shows are clicking. Look, I enjoyed it. I think they did really, really well. I like all the storylines. I really am happy for Keith Lee, you know, my new clubhouse leader for male superstar of the year. He's been fantastic. And his match with Cole was good. I hope he's not a transitional champion. I really think Cross is going to win the North American title. And I think Keith Lee has been pushed in such a way, you know, letting him score off with Brock Lesnar, letting him go toe-to-toe with Roman Reigns and eliminating Seth Rollins. It doesn't make a lot of sense to transition champion unless they're going to shoot him to the main roster, which I think would be a huge mistake because... Look, let's be honest. We already talked about the main roster. I don't need to explain that. They won't use Keith Lee right. But him being on top of NXT for a good six months, totally fine with. I also like the way they advanced a lot of the other storylines. Having a number one contender for Tegan Knox was really nice. Mm-hmm. Like what they're doing. You know, they, they continue to keep going. Finn Balor's got some interesting storylines. I'm enjoying Gargano. Uh, the Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, like street fight, really good. That was a crazy finish. Really enjoyed that match. They're just they're hitting on all cylinders, and I'm enjoying it a lot. I have to agree a lot with Roger in the fact that it's it's been really interesting to watch uh, both of these shows. Um, 
And it's almost unfortunate that they're both on Wednesday so that you kind of have to watch one on a highlight or, uh, or read results or, or uh, DVR and you can only watch one at a time. But AEW has been going hot. NXT is going hot. Um, I, I, I don't, I've pretty much have broken down to these are the only shows that I'm watching now weekly is NXT and AEW. That's, that's it. There's no need to watch SmackDown. There's no need to watch Raw. This is the wrestling scene right now. Now, Doug, do you think that um, if it wasn't for the fact that they had competition on Wednesday nights, like if one was on Tuesday, one was on Wednesday, do you think the shows would be anywhere near as good? I, I do. I think NXT has proven that in itself uh, that they have they've been the superior show for a while uh, when it comes to I don't want to say ratings wise, but uh, as, as a wrestling fan, I'd much rather watch NXT when it comes to their uh, takeovers. They're, they've outperformed the the main pay-per-views every single time. I don't think there's been one pay-per-view that has even come close to the NXT takeover counterpart. Um, so I, I would say that NXT would still be just as good, uh, and AEW, I think, would be just as good, too, just because... I mean, they're they they are their own brand, they're their own thing. Um, you know, I think it actually just hurts both of them that they go against each other on Wednesday. Uh, but that is truly the only competition that they have is NXT is AEW and AEW is NXT. Now, what do you think they're gonna do uh, with uh, now with the whole thing with the Undisputed Era? Do you think that they're just gonna be done with it, uh, break them up, have some sent to Raw or SmackDown? I mean, what are your what do you think they're gonna end up doing? Uh, especially after what's happened recently with uh, Cole uh, losing the title. My opinion would be is just that they keep him off TV for just a little bit. Not very long, but keep him off TV for a little bit, uh, build up some other storylines and everything like that, and then let them come back and rebound and just still be in NXT and still be a uh, dominant faction. Uh, I don't see why they need to break him up. I don't see why they need to bring them. Well, I see why they need to bring them up to Raw or SmackDown, but I just don't want it to happen. Um, I agree with Doug wholeheartedly. Keep them off television for two, three months. My dream scenario would be they would come back maybe a month before War Games and go right after Imperium. I want to see Imperium versus the Undisputed Era in War Games. They already had a fantastic match at Worlds Collide. Watching Walter and Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Alexander Wolf, all those guys go at it in War Games. Would be amazing. You could do some really fun stuff. It's a great way to keep them away from the titles because they have dominated the title scene for a very long time. So let some of those other teams kind of get their own shine and spotlight, and then have them occasionally be challenged. I have no problem with the Undisputed Era challenging for a tag belt every now and then. Adam Cole, obviously, at some point should probably get another match for the heavyweight championship, probably in six months, in my opinion. Roderick Strong getting another North American title shot is totally fine, or even a UK title shot. North Amer- him versus Walter, I'd watch that. That'd be great. But the only thing I don't want you to do is bring them up. I don't care if you, even if you break them up. If you don't understand the Civil War, so be it. If you bring them up to the main roster, it's not going to go well. Like, I, I want to believe that Adam Cole is bulletproof because he's basically the next Shawn Michaels. I don't trust that anybody, anybody with that awful creative team is safe. Yeah, and we saw what they did with EC3. And he was somebody that when we looked at him, we said, there's no way that they're going to mess this up. Like, this is... This is lightning in a bottle. This is Vince's guy. He has the look. He has the size. He has the tan. Like, he has everything Vince wants, you know? And he's a, an okay wrestler, you know? I, I think Adam Cole, he would get 
you know, you look at what they did with Ricochet and they had him job to Brock in a matter of seconds. And I'm not saying that like Ricochet should have like won that match. No, like, but like, you know, 10 second match, like, I mean, give him at least like a minute or two, like have him sell a little, like, you know, that might help Ricochet out, might put him on the map a little bit more and it just buried him. And I think Adam Cole would be a very similar uh, thing, which is unfortunate because I would love to see him and Rollins tear it up on the main roster, you know, in a main match. That'd be really cool to see. Uh, no, I, I would. Undisputed Era needs to stay in NXT. There's a lot of people that need to stay there. There's people like Keith Lee and Cross that can go to the main roster and that would be good for them. But Adam Cole, I think the entire Undisputed Era. I would say Finn Balor is the perfect test case for the mm -hmm. difference between the main roster and NXT. Finn Balor on Raw and SmackDown was awful. He was smiley and generic and boring. And the moment he came back to NXT, he's been significantly more interesting and he looks happy. I don't want them leaving ever. Not until Hunter's in charge. Yeah, I agree. I think that once Hunter is in charge, though, I think you're going to see a lot of things change in the wrestling business. I think you'll actually have guys who work nine months a year. I, I, I still believe that'll end up happening, but we'll see. We'll see in about, you know, 10 years and Vince hopefully is, uh, and moving Steps on to, down. <laughs> yes, down, yeah. thank you. <laughs> and that, and let's move on to AEW. We have fight for the fallen and fighter fest that just happened. So Doug, I got to ask, uh, what, what do you like the, about, uh, what recently has happened with AEW? Do you like the fact they brought some guys that should have been there day one, or do you like the fact, uh, just the show overall? It is like the show overall. Um, they, they keep expanding, they keep improving. Um, they very much so need to, and, and I think it's just unfortunate their women's division is their obvious weak spot. Um, but they have potential. They just have had, uh, they only have so many people. And it seems like some of their top stars, like uh, Statlander and uh, Britt Baker, unfortunately, are both out with injuries. And so, uh, they're they're doing what they can with it, but their tag team division is, I think, one of the best in all of wrestling. Um, and now that you add FTR to that, you just have a dominant core of people that that other people know, and then you do have a lot of good young talent in the best brands and uh, private party, um, and you can just keep 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 them coming and everything like that. Uh, and that FTR match with the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers and the Butcher and the Blade, which is the worst named tag team in AEW. But I, I like I like them. I do like the Butcher and the Blade. I just think it's a stupid name. Um, that was probably I would say maybe my match of the the whole two weeks uh, for AEW. It was just a wonderfully told story. It had some good points uh, afterwards and before. Uh, and continues uh, the rivalry between FTR and the Young Bucks, and also with Omega coming out to celebrate and getting the beer poured on him. Uh, so, it, I mean, it just goes to show everything else that's that's going on. They've, they've got some really good tag team uh, storyline set up, and, and just their matches are incredible. Uh, I'm just glad to see FTR actually working with real wrestling teams and not having... <laughs> their back shaved or have icy hot on their jock straps or whatever the hell WWE was doing with them because you're actually seeing them do what they want to do. And you're seeing them in storylines that make sense that, Hey, you know, they, 
the young bucks they like them, but you know they want they want a friendly rivalry with them, you know. And with Omega, you know they're a little annoyed that he's not going to toast him with a beer, you know. And so like that's going to be a very interesting match, probably at at All Out, where they have you know it'll probably be Omega and uh, Page versus FTR, and I think that'd be really great. I think that'd be awesome. You know, you have something already set set up where they have a reason why they uh, want to have that match, and they'd be it'd be worthwhile. Um, I think that's awesome. I, I'm glad that FTR is there. Uh, you know, to Doug's point, like you said earlier, Gals and Anderson be actually kind of nice if they were, you know, in AEW. Because then, yeah, I mean, you have a legitimate like excuse for or not excuse. You have a legitimate um, claim to having the best tag team division. Like, you know, Motor City Machine Guns in TNA, they had a match with the Young Bucks, uh, Generation Me at the time, and I thought they were fantastic. I thought Generation Me was going to be the next big thing. Obviously, they luckily they have, you know, they've been able to carve their own path. I actually would love to see Motor City Machine Guns in AEW, you know, to see them with with that type of uh, group, you know, uh, that grouping of, of tag teams, you know, because FTR has just done a fantastic job, as have the Young Bucks. And the fact that they're showcasing these matches more and more, it really says a lot about the state of tag team wrestling right now. All right. So, Doug, uh, what do you what do you think so far? Um, I'm sorry, uh, Roger, what do you think about the whole thing with the uh, FTR? And everything going on with uh, AEW. I think everything that Doug and Aaron have already said is absolutely correct. I 100% think their tag division is, I think it's actually pretty much the best in wrestling. Maybe New Japan has an argument against it, but I don't think anyone, including NXT, can say that their roster is deeper. Um, That tag division has been really fun. I enjoyed the two weeks of, uh, was it Fighter Fest and the Fight for the Fallen was the third week? Mm-hmm. Really enjoyable matches, really good storyline, and and simple logical storylines, not stupid convoluted. Let's poke an eye out, but hey, uh, you and I don't get along, and I you're the champion, and I'm gonna dump a beer over your face. It makes sense. It's easy. Keep it simple, stupid. Nothing dumb. Totally fine with it. Really, my only complaint, and part of it is due to injury, is that that women's division is just kind of weak. I, I really enjoyed the Penelope Ford match, like her versus uh, Sheeta. Great match. Really enjoyed those two. Really think they're going to be stars. Britt Baker obviously needs to get healthy. Statlander needs to get healthy. They probably need one more big star. I don't know who's out there they can get. There's one name I can think of, though I don't know if she should probably be associated with the company considering what she just pulled an impact. But she's legitimately the biggest name star that they can get. Kairi Sane is leaving. I know she wants to go back to Japan. Maybe they can make a deal with her. I don't know. My dream scenario would be them stealing Shayna Baszler because she would bring them some instant credibility and it's not like she's being used properly on Raw you know, the actual 2019 woman of the year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to be quite honest, I think they're hitting all the right cylinders, very similar to what NXT is doing. Jericho versus OC is a very fun feud. I like most of their main <laughs> event feuds. I'm covered in orange juice. Like Jericho on commentary is a national treasure and it needs to happen far more often because the man is amazing. Look, if they can fix that women's division, they're going to be the best promotion in wrestling pretty quickly. They're just hitting on all the right spots. Do you think they need to change the uh, TNT uh, belt? I'm not really. Like I said, I wasn't all that mad about it in the first place. It's kind of dumb. I'm not going to lie, but it's not that big of a deal. It's no more dumb than Universal Championship. It's definitely not as stupid as the Divas Championship. It's not as bad as most of the TNA titles, like the Legends Championship or the Knockout Championships that was held by a man. I mean, but dumb titles have been a thing. For the most part, the TNT title is a television championship. We all acknowledge it and recognize it as a secondary title. That's fine. Keep it as it is. 
The real best part about the TNT Championship is that Cody, for the first time, showed some heel tendencies. And please let this man go heel. Because babyface Cody Rhodes is not it. Like, let somebody else stay face. Let this man go heel. He's a much better heel than he is a face. Even his wrestling style just fits when he's being a heel. And being a face is boring. It's just, it's like Triple H. Triple H has always been better as a heel. Cody's the same way. Now, do you think the the fact that they're bringing back the open, uh, they started doing an open challenge, do you think that's kind of like a nod to WWE? Or do you think that they just wanted to do something that, well, they've never we've never done it here in AEW? Isn't isn't like an open challenge a thing they used to do in the NWA? Like I feel like that's a mm-hmm. throwback to something oh. they used to do old school. And Cody, you know, obviously he's a Rhodes. He's going to be very familiar with kind of the way. I think the open challenge was like, you know, you have a champion walk out and say, "I'm going to challenge anybody from the local promotion," and then some local wrestler comes out. You know, your champion beats him, establishes him as the guy, and then you move to the next territory. Yada yada yada. So it's kind of a nod to like classic wrestling and. He's going to build up the championship, and then somebody, you know, probably a well-established heel, looking at UMJF, will probably be the guy to knock him off and be the second guy, and that's totally fine. And Doug, do you think that when that actually happens, do you think they're going to turn uh, MJF uh, face? They kind of have it set up to be a nice little uh, double turn, and I, I've said that for a long time that uh, MJF should come out as soon as uh, Cody does go heel and say, "See, told you, right all the lo- uh, right the whole time." And yet you guys booed me and cheered for Cody. Um, so, you know, it, it, you don't even have to turn him heel because he can just be that nice. I mean, he'll always be that nice uh, stuck up. Uh, trying to think of a good word that I can actually say on here. Yuppie. But. <laughs> can we say uh, douchebag? Because <laughs> that's really what he plays, right? He plays yep. the prepper yeah. douche. That's, that's, that's MJF. And- and that's MJF, and and that's fine. He can just stick with that. He can always, I mean, proving him right every once in a while, I think, just makes it even better. So, you know, what what they do with it in in the future, uh, I think Cody right now is has done a good job of um, the people that he's been facing has put him over even in losing because it's always been a close match or a a tight match where Cody is has come out of it and you know, oh my God, look at the the talent they were or, or look what they did. I just, I found it funny. I don't remember who it was, which commentator it was. I think it was JR though. And I was like, yeah, well, we all knew that Cody was going to beat uh, uh, Sonny Kiss. Uh, that, 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 that result was, was always going to happen, but he, he did a really good showing. It's like, eh, let's not bury him during that really good showing. So I think they need to work a little bit more on the commentary, uh, but um I think the TN, uh, the TNT championship or the TV champion, whatever you want to call it, uh, it, it serves its purpose in building up stars and uh, making them feel uh, a little bit bigger when they try to then move on to the actual uh, heavyweight championship. Can I ask you guys a question about the commentary team since we kind of just talked about it? Do you guys feel that it's a bit weird that they don't have a heel commentator? Taz every once in a while, but I mean, he's been mostly on dark, but... Uh, with if they have Taz on the uh, announcer table, he's been doing some heel commentary. Yeah, but he's not an every uh, day staple, right? Uh, it's he he is for dark at least. Um, but now that he's also doing the management aspect, uh, I think that's one of the things that they did with to bring in Jericho when Taz stepped away to go uh, be with his uh, Brian Cage before his match or whatever. Uh, that's when Jericho actually stepped in and and uh, would take over commentary for Taz. I mean, like, I, it doesn't bother me, but I will say, 
it's normally you get like the face side perspective and then the heel diluted side perspective. And you don't really get that in AEW. So it definitely does sound a bit, I guess, off for the commentary because they're always bashing the heel. You know, so it's, it, it is, it's different, you know, especially if you grew up with like the classic monsoon Heenan where Heenan would justify whatever the heel <laughs> did because, right? It's like, well, you know, that's Bobby Bobby whatever. Brent Heenan was the Bobby best Brent, commentator yeah. ever. Or even Jesse the Body, right? Win if you can, lose if you not must, but always cheat. Like, it's just, that was the way the heel commentators work. And that's always been a classic uh, staple of wrestling. So I'm a little surprised AEW hasn't really emphasized that. Now, Aaron, uh, what do you think about the fact that, uh, you know, you we just talked about Taz. What do you think about the fact that Taz actually, the fact that he threw that talent? I mean, to me, I'm kind of confused because I didn't think AEW would do something kind of crazy like this, but they did. So what are your thoughts about it? I, I one of the things I I will say I actually kind of don't like is uh, bringing in a somebody that maybe is established or somebody that they like immediately hot shot to uh, something. I'm actually not a big fan of that, and they you know it doesn't matter what promotion they do it, but like Lance Archer, it was like you know they're gonna make him a monster, and then Cody's just immediately gonna beat him, you know. There's not that like longer build up to it, you know, like when you know what the end result is, sometimes the movie may not be as as fun and very similar with uh, Brian Cage, who's fine. You know, he's OK, but like, yeah, I think everybody knew it was like, oh, you know, they're he's going to go and take on Moxley. Obviously, he won the number one contenders thing and then he's just going to lose, you know, like I don't know what they're going to do with him after that. Archer, I feel like they haven't done almost anything. I kind of feel like Cage is also probably going to get a little lost in the mix, which is not a good thing. You know, you only have so much time to uh, to have uh, for somebody. So unless they're going to have Brian Cage go after the TNT title, which I kind of doubt that that's their plan, I don't know what they're going to do with him next. You know, I, they, they don't have another giant face star that they can kind of sick him on, you know, that doesn't already have a program. So I, at least nobody that I can think of off the top of my head. Luchasaurus. Uh, they kind of had a good standoff in the, in the ladder match that Brian Cage came in on. I mean, I guess they could have a, a little feud uh, for that, but um, I think I can think of two who shouldn't be holding the tag team titles. Who should well, actually yeah. be helping the singles programs. Uh, and that's why I'm like, yeah, Brian Cage against Kenny Omega. Okay. Yeah. You know, against Adam, you know, like, Absolutely. Like that could help elevate Adam like quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like as far as Mox winning, you know, great. Um, you know, Moxley is probably going to stay champion for quite a while. I imagine, you know, I think MJF is probably going to be the next person that, you know, that is most credible to take the title off of them. Uh, you know, if that happens at all out, I actually probably would pick MJF to take the title from him, you know, depending on how that goes. If it's actually in front of a live crowd, I don't know if they'll do it not in front of a live crowd. But who knows? We'll see. I think uh, just like Aaron said, they kind of backed themselves into a corner and they've done this again. Lance Archer versus Cody uh, was the first time where they have the big guy and here he's going to have in the title shot. And I think they did the best that they could to try to save, uh, I guess, based on cage and the fact that you have Taz throwing the towel for him so that he didn't tap. He didn't, you know, he lost the match, but he didn't truly lose so uh best case scenario for it it's kind of sad to see i hate to see a uh you know your i guess not that fight for the fallen was really going to be their you know big pay-per-view or anything like that but uh the fact that they had to push it back due to renee getting covid um 
but it's it's just I don't know it it was a little disappointing because you know you're gonna have to end that match or you're gonna have to end the show with that kind of ending and I think for for what Moxley is and what Brian Cage could be uh, I think it deserved a better uh, ending. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I guess I'm in the minority because I actually was not bothered by this one bit. In fact, I actually really liked it for a multitude of reasons. Um, unlike the Lance Archer thing where like him versus Cody was so telegraphed the moment you saw the tournament that it was kind of like, oh, duh, this is going to happen. And Cody's probably going to be the first TNT champion because of his storyline where he can't be the world champion. So obviously he needs to win this because he has nothing else he can do. Um, I liked the way that this was built up, you know, with Taz doing a thing of like Brian Cage is too big for Ambrose to hit him with or Moxley to hit him with the paradigm shift. Okay. Ambrose is like, cool. I'm just going to break your arm. And that's exactly what he tried to do. And he just went after him. He used a straight up arm bar as Jericho would have been proud. <laughs> it was nothing. Arm bar after arm bar after arm bar. And he tried to mess him up. And I love the ending with him flipping off Taz and making Taz, and they emphasize this on commentary. Taz was saving his investment. If he lets him break his arm, that's five more months of rehab. So he did the smart thing and said, hey, live to fight another day and threw in the towel. Doesn't make Brian Cage look weak because Cage didn't submit. It makes Am- or Moxley look smart. He went after the injury. That's what a smart champion should do. You adjust your game plan and you attack the weakness. I'm fine with it. I don't have any problems with it going forward. It can cause some tension between uh, Cage because he said, I didn't tap out. I didn't want you to throw in the towel. Keep it going. It's a smart way. I do think MJF is the next guy based on the tweet that I saw where he basically said that Moxley was not his champion. So it seems like that's going to be the next big program. I could see him winning, though probably not yet. But I I really liked it. I actually thought this was a smart way to keep Cage looking strong, and I didn't have a problem with the way that he won it. All righty. So let's thank our sponsor, HostGator. Are you a blogger or a podcaster? Are you just not happy with your web hosts? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're going to find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click screw controls, or freeze up other hands on the best control panel out there. Stop by today at Trey Freedom. It's so easy as, and if you use special coupon code off the mark, you're going to save 25% off your web hosting packages. So what are you going to lose? Check out HostGator.com and take a bite out of your web hosting costs. Also, make sure you check out Sexy Six off the mark page and click on the banner at the top to see big on items from WWE shop.com all right so uh let's talk about it aaron we got wwe versus sports so wwe just recently had their lowest raw they've ever had in the history of the company going back to what 93 when they first started so uh this says something but here's something also that's really interesting is that nfl is coming back um they're going to be starting their preseason uh here probably no they're not Preseason's canceled. Preseason was canceled. Oh, darn. I guess that's so sad. Anyway, so... Um, that means we can do our fantasy draft quicker, because... Hey, hey, you know what? We, right? we can do it over Labor Day weekend now, because guess what? Hog Days was canceled. Or so. we could do it right now. How about we just do it right now? We'll, we'll end the show. We'll just do our fantasy football draft. How's that sound? And we'll pick for yeah, everyone End else. the show, Andy. Yeah. In the show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we we have Major League Baseball, NBA, and NHL are are are, are actually MLB is going to be starting up, and then NBA and NHL are going to be continuing uh, their shortened uh, season. Um, so yeah, it's going to be really weird having all the sports going uh, almost year round when you think about it, because at least for basketball and hockey, because basketball and hockey usually start in October and. Uh, I believe that's about the same time when the season will be done. So I'm, I don't know what they're doing with that. But anyway, so it'll, it'll be shortened in some capacity. But yeah, the I think the you know kind of 
the discussion here really is uh, to talk about WWE's numbers. And it was a week or two ago, they had recorded 1.5 million viewers, which is TNA numbers to give you a little bit of a, wow. I mean, that, that was TNA, what they had done, you know, five, eight years ago, something like that. They were doing about that amount. And raw WWE's flagship show was doing that. The previous year they did 2.4 and then two years before that they did 3 million. So in the span of, you know, two, three years, they literally cut the audience in half. And this is at a time where, you know, people, you know, there are some people that are staying inside, you know, that, that are trying to, you know, do their best to not go out as much and you don't have any sports on, you know, right now. And as it stands, we are going to have some sports as Andy had pointed out, but the most recent main event on raw, which was Orton versus big show, the, the rating it did for the 18 to 49 demo. Obviously that's the most important one. It did a <laughs> which is the worst quarter performance in the 27 year history of raw. That is insane. A 0.42 for that demo. And so, you know, I, I don't know if we have the, the actual hours out now or the, the numbers out now for the rest of it. But that quarter essentially would have probably done around a million people. And that's, that's pretty bad. And in previous years we had uh, Monday night football, which would obviously take some viewers away from it. But I think that this is kind of a different era because people are clamoring for that stuff. You know, it's not like sports is on all the time. So Andy, I got a question for you. Uh, the Blackhawks are going to be playing here shortly. If they're playing on Monday night, doesn't matter. I mean, I'm, watching, you, I'm watching something live. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to watch something live. I need to watch something live. I need to watch some hockey. I need to watch some football. Um, I mean, I'm I, I don't really watch baseball that much, but I'm definitely going to watch some games because it's kind of like, whoa, I missed opening day, so need to get some of that back. But and I think that has something to do with it, with the you know being taped. But I think it's also that some people get bored. They're like, okay, I'm bored with this crap. So then they stop watching. And I think that you you try, they, they're trying to get the casual fans to watch it, but also the hardcores. But I think you're actually having a, a thing where the casuals are not even casuals anymore because they're doing so many other things or they're working more or, you know, they're working less, but they don't want to watch wrestling because last week it sucked and they don't want to watch it again. And, you know, you can only, only wa watch a uh, big show so many times. Uh, I'm assuming that he turned at least seven times during the match. And Doug, let me ask you this. When the sports are hitting, people are actually watching them. Do you see Raw going below a million? Yes, very much so. I think WWE has completely missed their opportunity when they were the only thing that was new on television. Um, other than your uh, streaming sh uh, services like Netflix and Prime and whatnot putting out new new content there really hasn't been i mean there's no movies to go see there's not been really any new television to watch uh you take away uh major league sports and what are you left with oh yeah wrestling they had the perfect opportunity to put out a product that could bring in so many new viewers and they've just They've completely missed the mark. Would you say they're off the mark? Ah, yes, sir. Roger, same question for you. Do you think that they'll go under a million? Without a question. I don't even think that's... I I think they are in 
maybe the worst spot they've been in a long time. And truth be told, this is a long time coming. The ratings aren't down because of anything that happened this year. Raw has been trashed for X amount of years. Like the ratings have been, you know, I know that the common excuse is that TV as a whole is going down, which is true. That's not a lie. But WWE is losing viewers much faster than the viewership of all television is going down. And it's because their product has been awful for a decade. Like, truth be told, I think the last must-see moment on Raw was the pipe bomb. I think that was the last time I remember someone saying, oh my gosh, did you see that? You need to see this. There have been some decently cool moments, change, return, and things like that. But it's been such a bad show that it's not worth watching. And even, as Doug said, during where there's nothing else to watch, no sports, no movies, no nothing new, I'd rather not watch wrestling. Now you're going to put on live sports, which we haven't had since basically the Super Bowl. We missed March Madness. We missed opening day and all the sports fans are desperately clamoring for sports. And you are going to put out the nonsense of Randy Orton versus Big Show. Yeah, they're going to drop under a million. They're, they're, there's no reason when all those sports come back for any reason to watch wrestling except Wednesday nights. And here's the thing. TNT has a deal with the NBA, so we know AEW is probably fine. NXT will stay on Wednesdays because they're counter-programmed, which means they're probably safe because Wednesday is about the only night I don't think sports goes. Maybe baseball and hockey, but that's not as big of a deal. But Monday Night Raw against the NFL? Yeah, right. They're going to get destroyed. Nobody watches TV on Friday nights, and SmackDown isn't a good enough product to do so. Even when I have to stay home in a quarantine, it's still not good enough to watch. It's a bad show, and it's in a bad state. Now, Andy, let me ask you this. Uh... Let's say the Cubs are playing. Are you watching the Cubs? Or are you watching SmackDown? Well, I do what any uh, smart person does, and I DVR SmackDown, watch baseball, and then once baseball is over with, I then go to the torrents and then download it that way. <laughs> it's actually Usenet, but uh, I think torrenting is probably the way to go. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, in all seriousness, I, I would probably watch the Cub game. Uh, I don't think I'd... And I, I usually don't watch a lot of Cub games. I like I like to watch opening day of baseball because it's really nice and see all the grass is green. And you see that summer's coming. Um, this it's kind of it. It was there and missed everything. So that 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 sucks. So I'll probably if I had a choice of watching any wrestling um, minus Wednesday night, I would definitely I would take that chance of of actually watching the the sport. So. I actually hope that, uh, you know, and th- this is just something I-, I hope does happen is that WWE learns from this. I think <laughs> I know. I know. We just we just talked about having an eye pulled out and some like swamp fight that didn't have a conclusive. End. Like, I get it. I hope they learn from this and they go, hey, we kind of squandered this. We didn't put something on there that made people want to watch. Like, I'm not saying they would have done Game of Thrones. But they could have done something close enough to Stone Cold, you know, like something where people are like, hey, you know, like nothing's going on right now. But like wrestling's still going on and like they're doing some cool stuff over there. Maybe we should watch it where like the fact that the numbers have consistently gone down, I think, is an issue. And I know that Paul Heyman was the fall guy for that, but they just did not have good writing. They didn't have good storytelling. There was nothing on there that was compelling. I honestly would ask any normal random wrestling fan. What is the biggest thing that has happened in wrestling in the last four months? Or actually, no better. What has been the major storyline on Raw in the last four months? People might say Seth Rollins or Rey Mysterio. And yeah, that's been the longest one. What's the second one? <laughs> you know, like, can you tell me? You know, like, I like, there's not a whole lot of storylines going on there that I can really 
point to in AEW. I could actually point to a number of them. Impact, which I do not watch. I could point to a few storylines on Impact that I do not watch, that I really don't know much about, and I could probably point to the same amount of storylines on there as on Raw or SmackDown. And I think that says something. Aaron, can I ask you a question? And this is really, I guess, for all three of you. As much as you say they're going to learn from it, don't you just think their typical reaction is going to be, we need more Roman, we need more Cena, we need more Hunter, we need more, let's go back to the guys that we believe have worked in the past? Because that's almost always their answer. Like they never really push guys long term. They've never built people because the problem is, is they get behind one star and expect them to be their main person for the whole time. It hasn't really been since Hunter, uh, Undertaker, Stone Cold, and The Rock that you that they've pushed multiple stars at the same time. It's now come down to oh, we have Cena, so we're safe because we have Cena. Oh, now we have Roman Reigns. He's going to be the next big thing, and let's just push Roman Reigns. And now that you don't have Roman Reigns because of the pandemic, what are you left with? You're left with a handful of stars that nobody knows. You can't build There's no one built up. And that's the problem. They, they, they take the time to build them up, and I think that's the biggest error. I mean, realistically, what they could do if, if, if Raw is their bread and butter, and they said that it, it has to have a x amount of viewers no matter what fine do some experiments though at least on smackdown to see if uh people consistently watch like this segment around this time like you think they would have some of that data but i don't think that no one even probably even thought about that vince was probably like nope that's stupid wrestling fans will watch wrestling fan we'll, we'll watch let's not wrestling. push this guy i don't know him i don't know ricochet he does all those flippy stuff i don't like it so i'm just gonna push him to the to the side Who's this Luke I mean, Gowles guy? He looks like Festus. Also, so we can kind of beat around the bush and talk about like the talent they hadn't pushed, but we all know the crux of the real issue is that the man in charge, mm-hmm. who's accountable to no one, has been awful for about two to three decades. And he himself said on the Austin podcast that he doesn't believe that he's out of touch. Mm-hmm. This is a man who wrote Roman Reigns, a guy who, look, I do not enjoy his face work, but that guy has the look, he has the build, he has pretty much everything you need in a superstar, and you wrote promos for him using suffering succotash like he was foghorn leghorn, but you don't think you're out of touch. That's the problem. That has been, every other promotion that does not involve Vince McMahon has basically been able to figure this out. Now, obviously, they're not doing the numbers that WWE does, quote-unquote, because Vince McMahon has had Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold and The Rock and even Cena to some degree to help prop him up. But the quality of creative has been horrible for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Do you think that someone like uh, Gabe uh, over at Evolve, which WWE just purchased, do you think that br- if they were to bring him in and say, hey, we want you to focus on this, do you think that he could do it, especially only having basically like uh, once a month, two shows? And he was able to is, get he un- is he under Vince or is he doing his own thing like Hunter does? Uh, he's going to probably be under Vince. You just know it. Then no. Okay. No one can succeed under Vince McMahon except Vince Russo. The oddest thing about it, he's the only guy who can work for Vince. And that only worked in the Attitude Era. I don't think Vince Russo would succeed nowadays. Mm-hmm. Because we're just not in that era. But nobody can succeed under Vince because Vince doesn't know what the demo wants. Like, he's, what, 79 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know if I would go ask my 70-year-old, 9-year-old grandfather, hey, what do you think 19-year-olds are just watching? <laughs> right i mean it's just well based wild. on 
Based on the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, I do believe that Vince is uh, Vince Russo, that is, is writing for WWE. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Vince Russo's Extreme Rules would have been way more ridiculous. Like, it would have been equally terrible, but it would have been funny bad. Like, we at least would have been laughing at the fact that Dolph Ziggler's mom was on a pole. And the only way <laughs> McIntyre to retain his championship was to somehow he had to, like, retrieve her. Like, it would have been stupid. And and somehow Heath Slater would have come out as the universal champion. He would have come out for the Lake of Reincarnation. Like, you know, I, I wanted the swamp match to end with Otis just walking around trying to cash in. That would be <laughs> he's just trying to find someone to pin or he's just looking around to see if the championship's just laying down. That would be a money segment. Like I would be like, that's hysterical. That's worth the stupidity. But we don't get like you just it it's not even like so bad it's funny. It's just bad. Like it's it's let's remove an eye. Who in wrestling has been like, I want to watch an eye? This is okay, we're going to have, and like, there's good um, ways to do a lot of these finishes. I remember Austin back in the day, knocked out a referee and then had grabbed his hand and just smacked the mat three times. That's a creative way to do the like, Oh, that's a twist on the referee interference. Fine. That's whatever. Bailey walking in and claiming she's a referee. Like why, why did we, Bailey's not an idiot. She knows that's not going to stand. Like it would be funnier if she did what, you know, kind of what Austin did, but she got on top of the ref and then just hit as in one, two, three, that would have been like really funny. And then, 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 and then you could say, well, technically he was knocked out, so he couldn't ring the bell or, you know, they, they could have done something along those lines. And I think that would have been more effective than what they did. There was a reference three count. Like there's some argument in debate. It's, it's like, oh, okay, well, what is going to happen? Instead, instead of like, like we said earlier, you have, (laughs) everyone's asking who won this match. Can you clarify it? Wikipedia says what again? Yeah. That says something, but oh well, but that's that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you follow the show at Authomark86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and editing the podcast. And I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Cave, and Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes, and until next time, we'll see you in the ring. Mm-hmm.